beer and cool movie podcast. Look at that. 50 episodes. Yes. Episodes 50, take number two. That's right. Hi, my, name, <laughs> my name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And uh, apologies if you listened to us earlier this week. Uh, software, frustrating software issue that led to the audio not being great, uh, particularly for Lakeisha. So uh, because this is our 50th episode and because we both like this movie so much, we're sitting down to re-record our episode on... The Incredibles 2. Actually, it's just Incredibles 2. They left oh, the V right. off, which apparently is bothering some fans for reasons that I can't quite fathom. I I have no comment on that whatsoever. Yeah. I don't even know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but for this re-recording, uh, we're just going to get right down to brass tacks. Uh, there's no beer review. We're talking about upcoming movies or movie news or any of that. Right. We just decided we would sit down and just simply get right to the movie right away. So we're just going to get right into talking about uh, Incredibles 2. That's right. Um, so for those of you who do not know how this works, um, spoiler alert, we are going to talk about uh, the movie. We're going to talk about our favorite parts of the movie. So we will um, not shy away from sharing uh, different things in the movie that might be considered spoilers. Correct. We don't hold back on any of that stuff as we're as it pertains to our three favorite parts of whatever movie. Right. So um, I think that um, do we want to just dive right in then? Sure. Uh, I don't remember. Who goes first? I can't remember. Okay. I'll go first. Sounds good. All right. So my first favorite thing about this movie uh, there are described in three words baby raccoon fight <laughs> that's one of mine that is uh in a movie that is very entertaining and very funny this is i feel it's the highlight it's the, the fight sequence if you will fight uh between the baby jack jack and a raccoon right that's uh Screwing around there at the house that they're living in. Although, I mean, let's let's be real. From the baby's perspective, this is an epic battle. Right. Well, he's watching some uh, a TV show that shows bandits. As right. They used to be depicted in like '60s television, wearing you know the the mask, the mask, and all the eyes. And then he sees a raccoon with the you know the eye bands that raccoon has, and immediately makes the connection that this is a bad guy, <laughs> and, and that he has to go fight him off. Right. And it's really. I mean, when it first started happening, I was. You know, sillyly, sillyly, that's a word, thinking, man, a, a, a raccoons are way bigger than people typically realize. <laughs> and a baby would rip up, a raccoon would rip up a baby. But, you know, it's a super baby and it is a hysterical sequence. Um, and it just, I'm glad that because it was a baby fighting a raccoon, there's no dialogue. Right. Which is a good thing because we wouldn't have been able to hear it. If they had any words to say, because the theater we were in was just slapping so hard at this. The best part for me, uh, the raccoon gets all tangled up and tied up in some lawn recliner chairs. Mm -hmm. And that's when Jack-Jack turns into the, like the fiery demon and is stalking towards him. And it's the, the panic look of this poor raccoon <laughs> as, as the fire, as this baby turns into a fire monster and is walking towards him. You know, just fiery little figure of doom. Right. It's just so... So funny. And I can just picture, like, at some point, you know, 
own this movie and I could probably and I might just you know sit and watch this just scene. rewind yeah get to this scene and just you know back it up and watch it a bunch of times in a row oh so yeah it's just so hysterical and so good uh, yeah I love it too because you know raccoon <laughs> raccoons are mean mm-hmm. <laughs> you know first of all and so when they first when the baby first kind of comes out Jack Jack comes out through the glass door makes it through the closed door um, they kind of do the eyeing each other and circling each other and the raccoons, you know, not going to back down. And Jack-Jack's not going to back down. Mm-hmm. And so even though there are these different moments where the raccoon is like freaks out, like when he's trapped in the lawn chair. Yeah. Um, like later on, the raccoon is still ready to fight some more, you know, <laughs> like it mm-hmm. does. The raccoon doesn't actually get run off until like it, you know, something happens and it like like is kicked off away and even then it's still like you know chittering at the baby Mm -hmm. and you know i think one of the things that made it best because there was no dialogue is that the baby is making all you know jack jack's making all of his baby noises and the raccoon is chittering you know back in their raccoon noises and it's hilarious because you know they understand each other right right? they are getting what the other is (laughs) They're they're picking up what the other is putting down. Right. So. So, yeah. That's my uh, favorite part of the movie. It is really, really good. Um, That was part of one of of my favorite parts um, was just Jack-Jack with his powers all together. You know, when um, Bob Parr uh, figures out that he has powers, he's super excited at first. Mm -hmm. And then as he keeps discovering the different powers that the baby has he you can just see him like realize how on earth do you parent a baby who can just like snap himself into another dimension and you know like without mm-hmm. getting a cookie to be able to be like cookie to get the baby to reappear and i love that he's so excited and he's you know at first and then he's um you know playing with the kids like with the baby and its laser eyes, you know. Right, they're using it as a as a as a weapon. They're using right. it as a you know laser gun, or they tap the baby on the back or whatever. Right, shoot. Yeah. yeah, don't tell your mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also really thought um, the scene where Bob is is already is like exhausted, and yeah. the kids Dash and Violet are like, you know, they're watching him, and he's just like zoned out. He hasn't shaved in a couple of days. Yeah, very haggard. Um, and they both kind of tiptoe out and they're like, we're going to call Lucius, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, to bring him over. And then Lucius is absolute like shock at the baby's powers, you know, mm-hmm. like just completely overwhelmed too. And then his advice is, you just got to go see Edna, you know. And so that's what he does. He takes Jack-Jack up to see Edna mode. Yeah. Um, and at first, you know, she's definitely eyeing the baby with like horror like i not me no me no me babies no Mm -hmm. and then um she ends up loving the baby like kicking bob out for the night and be like oh we're fine he could stay with auntie edna yeah and the next day baby's like mimicking her walking steps they're like best friends Uh and it's just hilarious so i loved um i loved jack jack and his powers as well yeah and and he uses those powers to save the day. 
He does. All 17 of them. Right. I believe they say at one point. 17 that we, we know of. That we know of, yes. <laughs> All right. So for my uh, next favorite thing about this movie, I'm going to say that it's the story arc of the daughter Violet. <laughs> oh, poor Violet. The Violet, a uh, teenage daughter of a super-powered family. Uh, you know, so dealing with crazy life, uh, in addition to being an adolescent girl. <laughs> you know, she goes from challenging her parents on things to being a really supportive family member to outraged teen, uh, just like multiple times. Uh, the highlight of her arc for me, that cracked me up a lot, is when she decides she is revoking superheroes. Right. Superhero dumb. <laughs> and she tries to destroy her Incredibles costume and can't do it. It's like it's too strong or whatever. She tries to put it in the garbage disposal. Right. You know, it doesn't do anything to it. You know, it just eventually just grabs it and throws it against a wall and ah! I love how know, she stops I renounce my powers. powers. Right. So melodramatic. Dramatic, yes. The melodramaticness of her is so hilarious. And then also uh, at the very end of the movie where, um, you know, she had some boy trouble because right. you know her the guy that she was going to go on her first date with had his memory erased and so there's some embarrassment there when she doesn't realize this and the boy doesn't remember who she is that eventually kind of gets resolved and the whole family is driving them to the movie theater to drop mm, of them course. off for their first date so right? so embarrassing and then there's some sort of catastrophe or criminals driving by cops are chasing i forget what it was exactly but something something that the incredibles could intervene to help save the day and the camera, you know, camera, if you will, you know, goes back and forth between all the family members as they give each other the knowing it's time to suit up look. Right. right? Like from one family member to the other, the last family member it gets to is Violet. And she is not giving the knowing, all right, time to superhero up look. She is giving a look of panic. Right. And she just immediately is like, let us out of the car. Let us out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, the last time they fought and, you know, an evil villain he figured out her identity and then was mind wiped yeah so so yeah the uh, violet's arc is is a highlight for me um maybe because of my teenage daughter but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but that's it it's really good she's really good so that's what i that's what i gave for my nice. second one all right um my second one was um bob being and trying to be the supportive husband. Mm -hmm. So um, I think in the previous podcast, when we did this the first time, you talked about how this, you had read somewhere that this was supposed to be set in the late 60s or mid 60s. Right. A, or a version of the 60s. Yeah. A ver some version of the 60s. Yes. And, um, you know, and I, I hadn't heard that at all. I didn't know that. And mm -hmm. then, of course, it's since then, it's, you know, everybody's referring to that as well, um, which made me think I liked that in my first the first time around, you know, when we talked about it. And mm -hmm. now I like it even more. Okay. Because um, not only uh, is it hilarious watching him handle the fact that, you know, the um, when trying to market supers and bring them back from um, being illegal, the f he you can see him puff up as he's like, oh, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. And then they go, we want Elastigirl. Right. And his just utter dumbfoundedness at why they don't want him um, is, you know, and then trying to make it up when it's clear that she's like, what, 
why are you upset that they would want me? You know? Uh-huh. Um, and and I, then his quickly trying to recover and be like, say the right thing. Right. You know? And just digging himself even deeper. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing that I like is that, you know, ultimately she doesn't want to leave. You know, she doesn't want to leave the family. They mm-hmm. need her. And he convinces her to go. And I think that this could have been um, a, a very much a inept husband trope you know the husband can't handle anything while the wife is away and and they don't like i mean the first night he's a little overwhelmed yeah but then he talks to um he gets help yeah well Well, sort of but more specifically you know after that first night of like craziness he's like i don't know what to do and then he talks to her later on Mm -hmm. and um he realizes because she's like oh well do i need to come home and that's when he's like, well, no, like I'm Mr. Incredible. What do you mean? Like I can handle this. Mm-hmm. And so he he really steps up and is like, I'm going to own this stay at home dad parenting thing. Yeah. And like, you know, stays up all night to learn new math, the new math, the new yeah. math which yeah. he's totally frustrated by. But he, he wants to master that. He wants to master. Um, he's trying to take care of his adolescent girl who is all over the spectrum emotionally, you mm-hmm. know, um, and trying to like help her reconnect with the boy yeah. by me and then makes things worse as dads do. Um, and then, but like anytime anyone's like, maybe we should call mom. He's like, no, you know, he wants to support her at the end. And right. I just thought that was a good thing. Like they could have made him just an inept dad. Yeah. Just played it for Laughs. lame jokes. Right. Yeah predictable jokes and instead they make him um really focused on being good at it Mm -hmm. and being a dedicated dad yeah and i really really liked that they did that Mm -hmm. um for just i think even though it's set in the 60s for the generations that they're you know showing to now and they're creating role models now yeah um for the fact that yeah it's totally cool to be home and stay at home as a dad and take Mm -hmm. care of your kids and and that yeah it can be really overwhelming but it doesn't mean you don't do it right so um so i really really like that um and i do i do love his um his just look of utter despair as he's like math is math why are they changing Uh, math math is math yeah well and the funny thing is is that that actually is a timely reference so they did change the math yeah, in the 60s. Yeah, were you telling me that afterwards? Right, yeah. because the the space race and which is funny because we're dealing in a place where there are superheroes and super people. Right. But apparently the space race is still going on and they need mm-hmm. new math. Right. <laughs> so, um anyway, that that was my number 2. I really liked that um Bob stepped up to be to, you know, be stay-at-home dad and was committed to doing it well. Mm. Um, you know, so that Elastigirl could become the face of supers. Okay. All right. So uh, if anybody uh, struggled through listening to our first recording of this episode, um, I'm changing what my third one is from from that, from what I did originally. Um, And this is in part because since then I've also, uh, I'm not finished with it yet, but I'm listening to an episode of another podcast that I listen to a lot called The Cinephiles, another movie. Mm-hmm. podcast and they are really kind of doing a deep dive of the first movie 
and okay. say that, and they played some audio clips from the first movie. And so I'm going to kind of go the opposite of what you just did, and I'm going to take uh, Elastigirl mm-hmm. as my third favorite thing, in part because it, they reminded me of the first movie, you know, in the be- very beginning. It shows, like, them being, the, like, Bob and Elastigirl being interviewed by somebody, like, Nebulous right. Reporter or whatever. And she's talking about, you know, and. And Bob is like, you know, so I think about settling down, family, simple life, blah, blah, blah. And then it shows Elastigirl and she goes, what, settle down? Are you kidding? I'm at the top of my game. Right. I'm up there running with the big dogs, right? But at the end, uh, she's the one that se- in that movie that seems to have made peace with, you know, being a mom and having a family life. And he's the one struggling with it. And that they let her have her, in this movie, she's the one that gets to go out and right. run with the big dogs again mm-hmm. you know so seeing that giving her that you know after kind of revisiting the how that first movie opens and then seeing that she's the one that gets to do that this time and just the really clever way they let her use her powers right. once she take once like with the bike that can separate mm-hmm. you know and so and she uses her, her powers to bring it back together uh the first fight with what you think is the screen slaver right. i think is a really cleverly done way you know you could tell that the villain had really thought out how to fight elastigirl mm-hmm. you know um and just interestingly to compare the two movies and see how she is a different how she approaches superheroing so much differently than her husband does yeah because her husband is just very direct i'm big and strong i'm just gonna go do big and strong things right. where she's much more tactical correct you know and so i really on retrospect really enjoyed um her yeah uh in in this movie and and that she that she got to be like you said the face of trying to bring superheroes back are are you saying that she was flexible more flexible or (laughs) that she knew how to stretch herself when it came to solve problems Mm. In our relationship, usually Dustin is the one with the bad jokes, so I was really excited there. (laughs) All right. um, So I, for my number three, um, I liked the villain. I mean, the reveal of who the villain was was so obvious. I think, I mean, very early on in the movie, I leaned over to you and I'm like, that's the villain. Um, but I still think that the idea of the screen slaver yes. as a villain mm-hmm. is brilliant. Because we definitely, I mean, we live in a time right now where we are um, attached to our screens and we're, yep. you know, we're watching TV and, uh, you know, Many people watch TV all the time. They're on their phones all the time. There's all of these things. And so it was, um, I feel like it's it's also a really timely villain. Right. Even though, you know, again, there's a different, definite like time period where this comes from. And so I just, I liked that idea of, you know, being able to be hypnotized or watching, you know, having something, a, a voice behind the screen tell you what you're supposed to be doing (laughs) and supposed to be thinking and how you're supposed to act and when you're supposed to do those things that is that is pretty creepy and pretty scary Mm -hmm. um so i i did think that even though they 
they set us up to know who the villain was going to be very early on. Yeah. The concept of the villain, and even to some extent the execution, because she does use the supers to overwhelm other superheroes and, you know, get the goggles on them. Yeah. And is a very good idea. Yes. Like, it was it was cleverly done, and um, and the supervillain, she wasn't dumb. You know, she, she's not caught monologuing. Right. <laughs> uh, as they are, as, as Syndrome is in the first one. So, so I just really liked that, and I thought that we had, we had a really, really good villain. Yeah. And, and the whole screen, even though the screen slaver is almost like a red herring, mm-hmm. because the whole kind of... Um, the thing with the screen slaver, you know, isn't really what she believed. I mean, maybe it is, but it's not really what's driving her motivations. Right. Right. Um, so they have a way of make, so it gives like, so they have, a, they give this message about us being addicted to our screens or whatever, but it's not, makes the, doesn't make the movie completely about that either. No, no, So it's not like no, they're, no. they're like beating you over the head with a message that's super obvious. And, uh. And yeah, in the trope of mind controlling uh, superheroes to be used as like weapons of mass destruction, you know, mm-hmm. it is a trope from comic books for a long time. But right. When done right, it is always terrifying, and they kind of push that a little bit because when they put the goggles on the heroes, it, that is really creepy. Uh huh. You know, and uh, so yeah, even the for an animated movie, I thought they did that to pretty good effect. Right. So, yeah. So I thought I thought they did a good job. I, um, you know. It was, as always, you know, you've got this, well, from my perspective, what I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing, you know, using Mm -hmm. any means to get there. Um, But at the same time, they, you know, they've created a compellingly creepy character. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so that was my third. Okay. Well, uh, before we get into anything that we maybe didn't like so much, uh, does any like honorable mention anything you want to throw out there? Oh my gosh. Um, well, Frozone is always fantastic. Yeah. Um, Samuel L. Jackson coming back is great. I did like him a lot, um, um, and I like he also uses his powers very creatively in how to yes. save people and how to. Um, solve problems Mm -hmm. you know you see him you know making snow but then you also see him creating you know like he's he's freezing water to try and break off oh right part of the boat boat. to make the the boat hydrofoil type of thing yeah yeah so i mean so he uses his powers very creatively to Mm -hmm. solve problems which i think is really great and then just watching him um you know, come over to support Bob and react to the baby. Right. You know, <laughs> um, he's like genuinely like appalled almost that yeah. the baby well, can frightened. like disappear. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, his genuine efforts to try and save the kids when the yeah. other um, the, heroes, the mind controlled heroes, yeah, the mind controlled heroes show up and he. You know, again, he just gets overwhelmed by them because there's five of them and one of him. But just his genuine efforts to take care of the kids yeah. and, and support them is great. I, so, and, and again, who doesn't like Samuel L. Jackson? Yes, I would agree with that. So, um, so I'll just say that what I did say for my third thing last 
for the first time around is like the design of a lot of the characters and this is maybe just me maybe it just worked out this way but i feel the design of a lot of the characters are like inspired by or homages to um existing or pre-existing comic book characters like mm-hmm. uh, like void you know right. is 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 blink from the x-men <laughs> um, there's that the guy owl owl man i think it's just called owl man he looks like a character screech called, screech screech he looks like owl man who in DC Comics is an evil Bruce Wayne from a parallel Earth. Oh, okay. Um, the big guy who I think is just called Brick reminds me of a oh, yeah. of a DC villain called Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, oh, and the power Jack Jack's powers. I mean, like he turns into the the demon, which is a straight up like uh, a Jack Kirby creation called Etrigan the Demon. You know, oh, even okay. like the fire breathing stuff looks just like it. Um. And that they just make him so ridiculously overpowered, just like Franklin Richards, the son of <laughs> Sue and Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. Right. And people have said since the first the first Incredibles movie is essentially the best Fantastic Four movie we'll ever have. Aww. So uh, so all of that I feel is you know kind of a, a love to the genre, uh, in a way without you know just overtly ripping it off either right. is is pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of the other, you know, superheroes, I will say that I just, uh, one moment that I really thought was hilarious was, um, they have the, the, the big guy, Crushhauser. Uh-huh. I love that that's his name, Crushhauser. Yeah. Um, and there's a point in time where he's like crushing pipes in the hallway so that Bob can't get to the, you engine, know, room. the engine room or something yeah. like that. And he gets all tangled up in things. And Bob's like, can't you uncrush it? And Crushhauser is so perplexed by this. He's like, what you mean uncrush? Uncrush? Why uncrush anything? That's like you unpunching things. Like, it's (laughs) just this cute little moment of like, again, that idea of like, how do you use your powers? And this guy's like, I crush things. Like, why would I uncrush things? And it's, it's just a fun moment. Yes, it is. I like so. that was pretty funny. All right, so I guess um, uh, is there anything you didn't like about about the movie? Um, well, like I said, the um, the identity of the ultimate of the villain right. is so foreshadowed. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty clear early on who the villain is going to be. The big question really is what's her motivation? You know, yeah. that was the only thing that I didn't fully understand like i thought for sure her motivation was simply that you know her brother is a good-natured idiot and she should be the one in charge of the company so she was going to ruin all his plans or something right um and it's a little deeper than that it's just they both view their parents death differently yes you know yeah um one views it as in if superheroes were legal my parents would have been saved and the other says if my parents weren't so reliant on supers, maybe they could have saved themselves. Right. Um, which is an interesting perspective, you know, set of perspectives to look at. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that the fact that she was the villain was foreshadowed. I mean, it was not surprising. No, no. So, yeah. and that just was disappointing because the movie is so good. Yeah. And I also like her. When you find out what her ultimate motivation is, right. I would, I, yeah, I was like, that's it. 
I was I was a little disappointed in what the ultimate motor motivation is. Right, which is just to make sure that superheroes remain illegal forever. Right. Make sure that they do something that is just unforgivable. And, yes. And so, you know, her parents are dead because of uh, her in her mind are dead because the superheroes didn't show up and or her parents didn't take care of themselves. And right. so I'm going to use superheroes to potentially kill a ton of people. Right. You know, and it, it would be one thing if she was like, you know, shown to be a psychopath or something, but they don't really do that. I don't know. Just the ultimate motivation seemed a little, you know, in a movie that's so clever in so many other ways, that seemed a little too simplistic. Right. Um. And yeah, I think that might be really the only thing I really dislike. Yeah, I kind of have to go. Um, I mean, it, it. I had to get kind of nitpicky to find things I didn't really like about this. Uh-huh. Although, although, okay, no, I do have to say that one of the other superheroes, what's his face? Um, oh, the guy who pukes up acid or whatever, or lava. Yeah, yeah. reflux. Reflu- acid reflux. Super gross. Yeah, that was really gross. That was so <laughs> gross. He like. Throws up lava at you. Yes, Ew. And, and he like, looks like, nah. and he looks like a disgusting like toad when he's doing it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it was it was so gross. Like I seriously had 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 to have a couple of moments where I was like, no, I cannot watch him do that anymore. Like, ew. yeah, it's yeah. like he's vomiting. <laughs> so, All right. So that was it. That was it. Okay. Well, um, see ya. Uh, any fun facts I want to tack on at the end? Um, just that 14 years have yes. gone by. And it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Maybe it's just because it's always on TV or I see it all the time. So it's always... Right. We enjoy it a lot. So I, yeah. I know that like if it comes on, we make sure to pause and watch it, you know? Oh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, but that that kind of blew me away where I was like, for 14 years. And and because of that, the kid, uh, the voice of, of uh, Dash, oh, right. had is to... is had to change. It's somebody else. The original voice can't do that kid anymore. voice anymore. Yeah, yeah, he's grown up. His voice is deeper. Yes. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, I didn't notice. I had found out about that after the fact. You can't tell. Um, I think. I mean, you can tell if you go back and watch the first one. It's not. Oh yeah. It's not so noticeable oh, that okay. like you're sitting in a theater and you're like, that's not Dash's voice. Right. But if you if you do go back and watch the first one and then watch the second one, you can tell that they're not the same. Yeah. Um, I was gonna mention that the director Brad Bird mm-hmm. uh, graduated from Corvallis High School here in Corvallis, Oregon. Ooh. Uh, interesting career. He, uh, I found out that he directed. There was a a Steven Spielberg produced TV series from the 80s that I watched as a kid called Amazing Stories. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite episodes of that was an animated episode about a family's dog that I just remember making me laugh hysterically as a child. Oh. He directed that. And then went on, and then he went and worked at Disney during kind of like what was considered a down period for Disney when they were making things like The Black Cauldron and The Fox and the Hound and mm-hmm. kind of that 80s era before that kind of reemergence of a new golden age starting with like Aladdin oh, and all of those. The Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Um, it but, was so and, good. but he apparently he wasn't real happy with what they were making at the time while he was there and left. And then his first feature directorial debut movie was The Iron Giant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, 
So an interesting career for like I feel a really creative guy. You know, he's also directed a I think was the best Mission Impossible movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, finally got around to making the sequel to this. I know is, it's about time. It's about yes. So yeah. So I, I just wanted to mention that because he has a really interesting career. Yeah, that is really fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. You did not talk about this the last time. No, we did I didn't this. know. I didn't know about. It. I, other, I knew he was from Corvallis, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know about the career at Disney or about the Amazing Stories episode. Which, like, I was like, wow, I remember that. Oh, <laughs> I totally remember that. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, anything else either that you didn't like or interesting facts? Um, oh, uh, so in the movie, um, Dash is seen eating. A spre- cereal, mm-hmm. a cereal that is called Sugar Bombs, right? Which is a brand of cereal that one comic strip character Calvin eats in the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. That is so that funny. That is a great drop. Dash, even you know, when you say that, Dash even sort of looks, looks a little like him, like yeah. Calvin. So uh, I wonder if there was a little inspiration drawn there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think. I don't know that I have any other super interesting trivia about the movie. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I think that's it. I think that'll be it for our uh, re-recording of our Incredibles 2 podcast. That's right. Uh, next week, or later this week, I guess, uh, or next episode anyway, I believe, will be uh, Big Dinosaurs. Correct. Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Fallen Kingdom. And, uh, yeah, but uh, thanks, everybody, for downloading this again. Right. We appreciate it. You can find us on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Um, subscribe to us at those places and download and give us a review if you felt like it. If you want to tell us what you thought about this movie or other movies or give us a beer to review in the future, suggestions, uh, send us an email to ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. All right. Well, until our next episode. Go see a movie. And thanks, everyone.